Hi, everyone. Welcome back. We have come to the end of what I imagined would be a journey of some difficulty and discovery. And I know for myself that both have been true. I certainly hope you all have enjoyed some discovery, but none of the difficulty. However, for those who may have had both, I hope the discovery was pleasant and the difficulty was minimal. We all know life contains some pain and uncertainty, but with time, there may be a lessening of sorrow and an increase of peace. I know this has been true for me and my daughter. Well, by now, if you've been listening a while, you've heard some of the details of how my marriage came to an end in bits and pieces and not always truly chronologically. With this episode, you will hear the rest of the story and catch a glimpse of what the harshest insult in your life can cause you to do. There is no violence in this episode. Well, other than the violence done to this person's heart, mind, and soul. Anyway, I've spoken about the way my daughter learned about our divorce and the ensuing time in her life when her father mistreated her rather than cherishing her as he claimed he would, using her as a babysitter, never learning anything about how wonderful she was, but putting all the blame on her for not being what he wanted her to be. And you also learned a bit about that extramarital affair that became a part of all our lives, for it is not only the cheater who experiences that phenomenon. So here's the rest of that story in the proper order. It was early in 1996 when my ex picked a fight with me or pouted about something and for about two weeks he didn't speak to me beyond grunts of yes or no. Now I didn't know if I should be grateful or worried that he was freezing me out. I mean we'd fought before of course but it usually resolved itself by his not being able to withhold from a particular adult activity for more than a week. Let's just leave it at that. Well, this time I knew it was different. When Valentine's Day came and went without so much as a card, I thought, "Uh, enough is enough. And that night at bedtime, I turned to him and asked, So what's up? He said that he was working up to asking me for a divorce because he didn't want to end up like his mom and dad. The couple who's fighting and making up could be clocked by the appearance of flowers on the kitchen table. Whenever there was a a fresh, beautiful bouquet, we knew they had started speaking again. When I heard him speak the word divorce, I was struck with the kind of certainty that you might call instinct. Now, mind you, I was never expecting to become divorced, 
And as a person of faith, I once had told friends that if I were ever to be divorced, it would not be me who initiated the process. However, when he raised the subject, I felt compelled to answer, not with tears or apologies, but a statement of calm and cool honesty. My exact response was, well, hell, put a for sale sign on the lawn and let's do it. I can't live with this crap forever. I think he wasn't sure if I was being serious, but then I wasn't completely buying his excuse about not wanting to end up like his parents. We didn't cry. We didn't say much at all. But at the end of the conversation, he did thank me for being understanding. And then he said that he was truly sorry for any time I felt he was ever mean to me because he really thought that I understood it was all just for fun and he never meant me any harm. Yeah, right. I went to bed that night with a sense of relief, not expecting anything more complicated than having to sell the house and divide up the property and and possibly discussing his parental visitation because I knew without asking that he was not going to fight me for custody. And I was okay at first. I called my mother and my sisters to drop the bomb and explain matter-of-factly that we had come to the agreement that we were better apart. My sisters knew how I felt anyway. He wanted to wait and tell his parents when we were together and he told me not to talk to them or his siblings about it. So I agreed and I waited for him to pick the day and tell me when. Well, then one day he called me up from work and he said he had already just told his mom and dad about us and and that it was no big deal. And I asked why he changed his mind and he said, well, he just thought they might hear it from someone else and, and he thought he'd better give them the news. Again, I didn't give it much thought as I was already trying to envision my new life with just me and my daughter. As the weeks went by, he would be working a lot or out doing his thing, which was being gone from home as much as usual. I told my friends and my pastor and the people at my church, they were supportive and they wondered how I could be so calm about it. I said, well, it's a long story, but trust me, I'm going to be better off. Not long after he mentioned divorce, he had read a classified ad in the newspaper for a lawyer who was offering to uh, conduct a divorce for a set fee as long as the couples agreed on all the conditions and there was no custody battle. I said, that sounded like a reasonable way to go. I had no experience of divorce, so I thought whatever got the job done is okay with me. I didn't want to go to court and argue back and forth. Then he asked about child support one day, the mechanics of which I was also not very familiar with. I know now, having gone through it myself and having watched my daughter and her partner go through it with his kids, my ex asked what I thought would be fair 
given that we both would have to pay for rent and we both made a similar amount of money and our expenses would be about the same. And so I just kind of threw out the figure of $150 a month. Maybe that was fair. Again, completely clueless to how it all worked. I was just looking at that big picture again. So he was happy with that. And why wouldn't he be? (laughs) That got us to May. We were so cool. I thought, I'm going to get out of this unscathed. But since everything was done without a court appearance, he was notified by the attorney that the divorce was final on May 1st. And I joked about how May Day seemed to be an appropriate date for our divorce because our whole marriage had been like a disaster. You know, how ships signal May Day, May Day. Then came Mother's Day. My daughter, unknown to me, had entered a Mother of the Year contest in our city and she won. So that meant we had a limo ride and lunch at a a restaurant in town and I was presented with flowers when they dropped us off at home again. It was a very nice surprise, very much needed for my daughter and I after the previous weeks, well, previous years, honestly. So that day, because my daughter and I had our special plans together, we drove out to his parents' house separately because of our plans were different times. So that meant he had been at his parents' house for a while. He had had lunch with his brothers and sisters. And uh, when I got there, I said, how are you doing? And I asked if the Sunday paper was anywhere around. And, And he told me that Yeah, it was right in the big stone crock by the recliner where the magazines and newspapers were kept. Well, this was on the floor by the chair he was sitting in. So like any other time in our life, I leaned across him and I kind of steadied my hand on his knee for balance so I could reach down and and pull up the paper. And he pulled away as if my hand was a venomous snake. So I didn't make a scene. I just thought, put that away as something to ask about later. And I did. Back at home, we were still sharing a room and a bed. And I asked, you know, what was that gesture all about? Why did you act like I had burned you with a branding iron or something? And thus began his famous... I need to start distancing myself from you, speech. I asked, why? Have you met somebody else? Well, duh. Yes, he had, but it was nothing serious. He didn't even know if it would last. And I said, well, gee, that was quick. Exactly how long have you two been together? And at that point, I could literally see the wheels turning in his head. And he spat out the words, two weeks. Oh, well played, sir. Since we were divorced on May 1st, 
and it was now Mother's Day, approximately two weeks later. And then I started to become real suspicious and I said, wow, that that was quick. Have you slept with her? Now, I have to say, I didn't ask that question really because I wanted to know. It just sort of came out. Given the type of person he was, I guess that's naturally where my next thought went. But I did ask, and he answered. And with that one word answer, I lost it. I completely lost any of the hope, peace, or optimism I had previously felt in those three months since the conversation began. I jumped out of bed. I ran to the living room, sobbing uncontrollably. He followed me saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't think you'd get this upset. I said, don't touch me. Don't wake up our daughter because I don't want to have to explain this. You're going to explain this. And I just cried and cried. And he said all he wanted now going forward was to have a good relationship with our daughter and rebuild their bond. And I think I spent the night in the bathroom crying to the point where he began to ask me to stop so that he could get some sleep. The way he used to tell me to stop crying on the anniversary of my dad's death when we were newly married. Well, the following day, I did go to work at my job as a medical transcriptionist, which requires a great deal of concentration, obviously, because you listen to a recorded report and you have to type it accurately and speedily. And so I was listening to the recorded reports. I was transcribing correctly, but in my mind, I was also running through a litany of questions and conspiracies. So my mind was, for all intents and purposes, split because I was all I was having a meltdown in my head, wondering if anything he had ever said to me was true. But at the same point, I was doing my job like a robot. So I had a little mini breakdown without tears, not like the one I had the night before. But I started to reach a point where the sounds of other women in the office began to really annoy me, especially laughter, because I thought, how can anyone find humor on a day like this when I'm in agony? I didn't say anything to anyone, obviously. I finished my work, I punched out, and then I walked into my boss's office to tell her that I was going to have need of a couple days off because I had just found out why my husband really left me and I was mentally incapable of focusing. The next morning, I woke up and I was now on a mission to find out how long he had really been dating this woman. First, I called his mother 
but she wouldn't tell me anything because she didn't want to make him mad. And so I asked her, well, how much do my feelings matter to you here? But she just cried and hung up. Then I called his sister. Then I called a female friend with whom we had both worked at one time in different places. And finally, I called his mother again, begging, just tell me, how long have you known? She said, it was the day that he called to tell me that he had already talked to his parents about the divorce, that it was no big deal, that they understood it was cool. But that day was in late February. It turned out that he had been going to her place in a nearby town when I thought he was going hunting or fishing because he was always going hunting or fishing. I would never be suspicious. But one weekend in February, they drove to the state capitol for this large annual boating and sportsman show, thinking they wouldn't see anyone they knew. Hello, this state is basically one big small town. Well, wouldn't you know, as they entered the auditorium that day, who should come out the door but his mother's brother? So he had to make up a good story on the spot. Some excuse for why he was holding hands with this young woman in a town three hours away from where we lived on a work day, and then because he knew that his uncle would call his parents, he hurried up and called his mom and told her about the divorce. No big deal, he said. Definitely had nothing to do with his his new girlfriend. So that was the story he told them about me too, that I knew all about it and I was cool with it. And they believed him and they shouldn't ask me anything about it because I would get upset. I had walked around for months like an idiot, blissfully unaware, while his family and friends told me, we're so sorry, and what a jerk. And I said, no, it's it's good, it was mutual. We agreed to everything, we're fine. Well, after that bombshell of him having a girlfriend, he informed me that he was going to now move out to go live with her, though I insisted he pay his half of the mortgage because he wasn't getting out of it. He, he already knew, you see, that he wasn't going to have to pay rent because he would be living with his girlfriend, which made his little speech about child support a bunch of bull. Unfortunately, this didn't mean I was finished with him by any means. Early on, he didn't always stay out at her house because it was over 40 minutes away, and if he had something to do after work, it would be easier easier for him to stay at our house. His concern for his daughter, however, was all but forgotten. His life was preoccupied with his other woman and his job. Oh, did I mention that they worked together? They worked in the same store. Yeah, 
That was another level of anger for me because I thought it was very inappropriate for two people to carry on an affair when one of them was married in the full knowledge of, of management. All the other employees knew, which I did not learn until after the divorce either. So every time I had been to the store to bring him something or talk to him, all of the other employees were aware of the affair and they just kind of looked at me with sympathy, um, although I didn't know it was sympathy. This actually would later become a source of amusement to me when my ex reported to me that the cruise he and I would have been going on, a cruise that he won for a sales record, was going to be a trip that he and his girlfriend would be going on. However, because the company forbade non-married couples to take trips like this together, they couldn't go. So he just cashed in the amount of the trip. And I scoffed at that news. I thought it was okay for them to carry on this affair in the workplace, but they couldn't go to the Bahamas together. Really stupid ethics in my opinion. I even offered to write a note and say, hey, it's fine with me, let them go. Still, ethics were pretty much blown up by that time anyway. Which only meant that, excuse me, it was every person for themselves. One highlight of the summer was when my daughter asked me if I thought her dad and his girlfriend were practicing safe sex. I hesitated a moment and then I answered a question I never thought I would have to have. I said, I certainly hope so because we were still sharing a bed up until June. What can I say, 80s kids, They learned a lot back in school. That summer went by slowly, waiting for the house to sell. The daily routine would be watching my ex come home from work, take his work clothes off, change into his jeans, grab his work clothes for the next day, and maybe raid some food out of the fridge, leave his truck in the garage, get into the car with his girlfriend and drive away. And in the morning, they came back and he got in his truck and drove and she drove to work. And after work, the exchange happened all over again. This went on for months. And it was probably the cause of my first case of what is known as dissociation, which is a situation where the trauma we have experienced can become triggered within us and to protect us our minds let us take a slight vacation from the stress in front of us and take us to a happier or at least less stressful place for a short time for me this would involve standing in the living room staring out at the driveway for several minutes after they had pulled away And it may have been many minutes for all I knew. I was simply aware that my thoughts took a lingering vacation on a daily basis 
It wasn't out of jealousy or anger. It was more like it was humiliation and shock. At some point, the part of my mind that broke came back to life a little bit more when I decided that if mean boy could have his fling, that I could at least gain back some dignity by going on a date. So I called up one of his friends and convinced him, no, there's no mistake. There's no prank being played. You're not going to be facing a jealous ex-husband. Fair is fair. So he agreed to go and I went shopping for something new to wear, even though we just went to a movie. So basically we sat in the dark for most of the date. I thought I looked pretty good for a mom and he was very cute. So even if he was too divided by his friendship with my ex and felt a bit uncertain about it, at least I felt a bit better about myself. It wouldn't last long, unfortunately, because this guy was really struggling with the option of dating me. And one day he called my ex to see if it really was okay with him. I was listening from the bedroom to half the conversation. And the most painful words I have ever heard from the mouth of my ex was not when he asked me for a divorce, not when he admitted to having an affair, but the seven deadly words capable of crushing my fragile self-esteem. In order to convince his friend that it was was totally cool for him to date his ex-wife, he said, it's not like I love her anymore. What can you expect from Mr. Sincerity, Truth, and Honor. I have one last little gem in his favor before I go. Remember that connection between Valentine's Day and the filing of divorce papers on the following day? Well, a couple of years later, I was serving in my second year as an associate pastor, and I was cleaning out my storage room before getting ready to move to another state to attend seminary. So this meant that I had a large collection of papers and files, and my divorce papers were in my file box. And since I had planned to take back my maiden name before I graduated, and came back to my home state. I wanted to verify that I knew that they were present and accounted for. And as I pulled the papers out, my eye fell upon the date on which they were filed. And I let out a bit of profanity, which caught my daughter's attention. And so she asked, what's wrong? And I replied, he filed for divorce in January not after Valentine's Day. Once a liar, always a liar. And speaking of liars, I realized that I do have one last episode to tell. This will not be the last one. 
this next one doesn't have anything to do directly with my marriage or my divorce. It's not even about my ex-husband. It's just another story of the classic example of how narcissists think they can manipulate and use people simply by relying on that old technique of gaslighting. It's a creepy story about a few days in my life and it's one of the creepiest situations I have ever experienced. So if you're interested, come back and listen to lucky episode number 13. Thank you for all the times you have given me your attention and I hope that things are going well for each of you. Remember if you do know someone or you have your own stories that you think would make an interesting continuation of this podcast told completely in anonymity, I swear, let me know. I'm also very happy to continue telling other people's stories too, because we can all learn from sharing, right? So I hope you'll uh, think about that for yourself or someone you know. And do get in touch with me through this podcast. Send me a message or uh, check out the uh, contact information. Thanks again. Have a great week.